This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about big changes in the state's COVID-19 mitigation, legislative activity in the final days of spring session, and continued Republican criticism of Governor J.B. Pritzker. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about the latest mask guidance, schools returning to in-person learning, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Governor J.B. Pritzker's emergency rule requiring businesses to mandate masks has been repealed, and leading retailers' association says they're not being asked to check your vaccine status but they could if they wanted. With the new mask guidance from the CDC and the Pritzker administration updating its guidance that fully vaccinated people don't need to wear masks indoors in most instances, Illinois Retail Merchants Association President Rob Carr said retailers are not being asked to post anything or being required to check vaccine status, though they could. Uh, But that's a a real practical impossibility. There's fake vaccination cards out there. Um, for most retail set, uh, outlets, uh, or for businesses for that matter, it's just, it's just not a practical possibility. It's a significant diversion of manpower. Carr said it's possible things could revert to more strict guidelines if the COVID-19 numbers trend upward. The pandemic has certainly taken twists and turns uh, over the course of the last uh, 18 months or so, um, but uh, we, we remain hopeful that we've turned the corner. Chicago announced attendees at the outdoor music festival Lollapalooza this summer will have to show proof of vaccine or a negative COVID-19 test. Despite the Pritzker administration relaxing the face covering mandate, Illinois lawmakers are still wearing masks while doing the people's business. In the Illinois House, Republican State Representative Mark Batnick said lawmakers should drop the masks while legislating to set an example for the rest of the state. It's time to open. It's time for people to go to work. It's time for us to get out with our friends. It's time to help our mental health. The CDC guidelines are pretty clear. If you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask inside. Democratic State Representative Natalie Manley said the mandate should stay in place on the House floor. She said lawmakers are too close together while legislating, and she worried the vaccine may not fully protect members. So I would like to go home and have everybody around me be healthy, and I would appreciate your compliance with the House rule. You know, I'm I'm a say I'm sorry instead of asking for permission kind of person. 
But when it's life and death, I think we need to follow the rules. The governor's latest guidance on face coverings says vaccinated individuals no longer need to wear a mask, except in schools, public transportation, and medical facilities. Illinois school kids are one step closer to getting back into the classroom. Kevin Bessler has more. The Illinois State Board of Education Wednesday adopted a resolution requiring school districts to offer daily in-person learning next school year. State School Superintendent Carmen Ayala says the classroom is where students belong. As always, our top priority is our students, and we know that in most cases, in-person learning is in their best interest. Board Chair Darren Reesberg says the state does include exceptions for in-person learning, which includes kids with medical conditions. It does not in any way take away from school districts the local authority that they have to be establishing remote learning programs. Billions in federal funding is expected to assist school districts to prepare to welcome students back to school in the fall. I'm Kevin Bessler. How much taxpayers have paid out in fraudulent unemployment claims during the pandemic still isn't known. As Governor J.B. Pritzker says, they're working to find that out. The Illinois Department of Employment Security didn't respond when asked how much unemployment's been paid out so far. In December, it was more than $19 billion. How much of that is fraud? Governor J.B. Pritzker Wednesday still couldn't say. Remember, the complexity of it is that we have federal authorities working with us to identify the fraudulent activity. So it's not all like as obvious as you would think that it is. Republicans said they've asked questions about the fraud and can't get answers either. State Representative Joe Sosnowski said all the state needs to do is generate a report based on known calls of reported fraud and the known dollar amount. It may not be 100% accurate, but it can certainly give a justifiable range. I mean, very easy to do. So they're either hiding something or they just refuse to release the information, and I don't know why. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. Republicans continue to demand IDES offices open back up for public appointments. Their offices have been closed for more than a year with no hard date set for reopening. Earlier this week, Pritzker repeated that he's not looking to pull the rug out from people when it comes to enhanced unemployment benefits. The reality is there are many people who um, have children at home that they still need to take care of uh, because of the circumstances of the pandemic that, that's put them into. Republicans suggested offering up child care incentives to assist people to get back to work. State Representative Martin McLaughlin also said the state needs to end enhanced payments that when combined with other benefits equates to nearly $20 an hour for not working. We don't have a workforce that is going to get out and provide what's necessary. We will not get investment in Illinois. So the competition of government against um, the wages in the, in the private work sector to me is, is it's really a problem. Republicans are also asking the governor to end his waiver that people don't need to seek a job to get unemployment benefits. About 1,000 fewer Illinoisans filed for unemployment benefits last week than the week before, but there were still more than 17,200 initial claims filed, well above pre-pandemic numbers. For weeks, the Illinois Housing Development Authority has said a program's coming to help pay landlords back rent as an eviction moratorium continues. Monday, the program launched as the governor announced the moratorium will end sometime in August. Last fall, the state administered hundreds of millions of federal tax dollars in rental assistance, but the funds ran out. As part of the American Rescue Plan enacted earlier this year, Governor J.B. Pritzker Monday said there's $1.5 billion for a new program. Uh, this is new assistance that's come in since the ARP was passed, and the General Assembly has helped to shape that program, and that's what we're announcing today. He signed House Bill 2877 at an event in Chicago Monday. Paul Arena with the Illinois Rental Property Owners Association said a major element in the bill they opposed impacts how landlords can vet potential tenants. That's the greatest impact of this 
uh, bill is this sealing of eviction records, allowing the people who were dangerous and destructive to conceal their behavior from future landlords. He also worried that the program could mean dollars are shifted from where they're needed most. Program details and applications will be made available at the Illinois Housing Development Authority's website at IHDA.org. Republicans continue to criticize Governor J.B. Pritzker for what they say is the governor going against his promise to veto partisan-drawn maps. Wednesday, the governor said he'll veto any map he said is unfair, but he wouldn't say whether he'd sign a map based on inaccurate data. I don't actually know all the data that's being used. I've heard, you know, pieces of it, as you have. Uh, but again, that'll be presented to me when it comes. He said the legislature's working toward a June 30th deadline to pass a new map. Shortly after, on the House floor, Republican State Representative Avery Bourne quoted the governor and demanded from Democrats transparency. This is a mockery of the process the people of Illinois deserve better. I would ask, this is a formal request for the data that you are using to draw the legislative maps behind your closed doors. Republicans have been critical of Democrats moving forward with the map drafting process without full data being released by the U.S. Census. That's not expected until sometime this summer. On a separate issue, Pritzker Wednesday downplayed requests from Republicans that the Illinois Attorney General investigate whether there was criminal negligence in the outbreak at the LaSalle home last fall. Look, I, all I can say is that we took responsibility by taking action on the proposals and suggestions that were made that came out of those uh, reports. Tuesday, Republican State Representative David Welter said Illinois Department of Public Health Director Dr. Ngaze Azike, not remembering whether she talked to the former director of Veterans Affairs during the peak of the LaSalle outbreak, is unacceptable. You write things down, you have a calendar, you need to share with the committee everything you possibly can that shows that you're being as transparent as possible. And if you're not willing to do that and accept that, then yeah, maybe you need to consider a different line of work. A spokesperson for the governor Wednesday said Pritzker still has confidence in Ezekiel. As lawmakers continue to hash out budget details for how to spend Illinois taxpayers' money, one tax credit in the governor's crosshairs has private school advocates fighting to keep it alive. The governor said his proposal to limit the Invest in Kids credit program is less expensive for the state's taxpayers. Oh, I don't want scholarships to go away at all. Um, what we're trying to do, two things. One is we introduced a budget that was balanced in a pandemic, and one of the changes that we proposed making was to rely upon federal tax benefits and tax deductions rather than state tax credits. Cindy Hassenstab with St. James Catholic School in Millstadt was in Springfield lobbying lawmakers to not diminish the tax credit and to eliminate the program's sunset. As you know, this pandemic has hit upon students' social-emotional status. Well, we've been able to overcome many of those challenges because of the support of the program like this. She said limiting Invest in Kids will hurt students and their families benefiting from the program. Reducing the tax credit is a slap in the face to our kids. Because without this program, without this scholarship, we're going to have to look at these families, these kids, these small children in the face and tell them, I'm sorry, we cannot afford to, ha to have you here. The governor's proposal would drop the Invest in Kids tax credit from 70% to 40% with an impact of $14 million. Lawmakers have a May 31st deadline to pass a budget and to decide on whether to change a slew of tax credit programs the governor's proposing limiting or ending.
Measures in the Illinois House and Senate, queued up for possible passage before the end of the month, could ask voters to enshrine union protections in the state constitution. State Senator Ron Villavallum has Senate Joint Resolution Constitutional Amendment 11 making its way through the Senate. Uh, it proposes to amend the Illinois Constitution to provide that no law passes on or after the amendment's enactment may, be, may prohibit the ability of workers to collectively bargain over wages, hours, terms, and conditions. Republican State Senator Jason Plummer said there are no efforts in the state run by Democrats to take away union rights. He said instead of political messaging, lawmakers need to focus on the core problems of the state. You know, the majority party kind of picks and chooses when they care what the voters have to say. So um, right now we're going through the redistricting process and so much input from people across Illinois is being completely ignored by the majority party. Yet they're saying that they want this constitutional amendment because they, they pretend to care what the people of Illinois think on this issue. Proposed constitutional amendments need a three-fifths majority to pass either chamber. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan Michaela. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. And welcome back to the Illinois Books Podcast. You have entered into the crosstalk segment. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square, based here in beautiful Illinois. Joined by my friend and colleague, Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square. Dan, what is going on? Hey, doing well. Getting uh, wrapping up May here pretty soon. Legislature's uh, set to wrap up on May 31st, which happens to be Memorial Day, which is a week from uh, Monday. We expect them to be working throughout the session, so it'll be busy, uh, busy week and a half for us. But that means summer is almost here as well. Ah, that's long overdue. Summer's kind of been the shining light off in the distance. A lot of things that, you know, in theory are going to be cures to the pandemic or resolutions of the pandemic all seem to connect with summer. Um, but the annual departure from Springfield is uh, perhaps my favorite precursor, <laughs> excuse me, my favorite precursor to the start of summer. The damage is already done, but they can't do any more damage at least. I, I, that's, that's pretty much the way I look at it. You know, one of the things that's ending and will be ending shortly here uh, for most kids around Illinois at or about the same time that that session ends is the school year. And, you know, as we have discussed many, many, many times, the state of Illinois was well behind the curve nationally, took a very much of a blue state approach, as one might expect, to the management of schools being open. However, State Board of Education uh, this past week, as Kevin Bessler from the Center Square reported, voted unanimously seven to zero to return kids full time to the classroom this fall. What's the grip on that? Well, one, it's great news. It's way too late. Uh, you know, many kids um, for 15 months um, have been doing either 
fully remote or some sort of hybrid model where two days a week they're actually in school and three days a week um, they're learning uh, via Skype or whatever platform uh, your school used. Um, we know uh, there's been a huge amount of learning loss over the past 15 months because um, uh, that remote learning is ineffective, particularly for younger students. Um, and not, not to mention, you know, the mental, mental and emotional health issues uh, that children who have been isolated at home for the past uh, year have suffered. Um, so the fact that the uh, State Board of Education took this action is encouraging, at least. There are some exceptions. Um, uh, they want to have remote options for families of um, children uh, who, uh, who one, haven't been eligible to be vaccinated and two, are still, still have their own concerns. But for families, the vast majority of families and, and parents um, who have struggled with remote learning themselves, uh, I'm sure we're happy to hear the news that schools will be reopening in full in the fall. Yeah, and you know we've talked about you know un unemployment and you know the issues around unemployment. I'm I'm not sure that that's on our you know slate of things to talk about today. But you know as we look at the realities of having a school age child and being a parent, and you know rich enhanced uh, unemployment benefits, there has certainly been circumstances. Uh, and I would say significant numbers of circumstances where some parents simply have not been able to go back to work because of childcare issues. And, and, you know, and I'm talking about like now in this, like the, the vast majority of schools that are open and I'd have to check back in with the ISBE dashboard on this, but, but the last time I looked, which is not that long ago, only several weeks ago, and I can't imagine that there would be, mass changeover here at the end of a school year. But the vast majority of students who are going to school in Illinois were not going to school in a traditional school day period. So they weren't going to school, for, say, from like, you know, 7 to 2.30 or 8 to 3.15 or what, however your school district runs it, which is a somewhat manageable period of time if you're a working person. You know, I mean, our middle daughter goes to school, gets on the bus, and I think, I wanna say like 20 minutes after seven o'clock, she gets picked up. I think the school day starts somewhere in the neighborhood at 10 to eight, and she's back home walking up my driveway by 11.30 every day. And I mean, I have the benefit of being able to work from home a fair amount of time when I'm not on the road. And we have the, the additional benefit of having a, a you know, a, a you know, another adult who lives in our house, a retiree, my grand or my, my mother, my children's grandmother to receive their kids and to send them off. If you know, my wife or I, who both of us work aren't available. Um, it has to be a contributing factor to what's going on economically in the state of Illinois. These, the, the unevenness and the raggedness of the school day. Actually at the centersquare.com um, this past weekend, we, we wrote a story uh, about unemployment and how it's affected women significantly um, uh, more than men. Um, uh, last September, when this when this current school year, which is wrapping up, when it was beginning, uh, last September, four times as many women over the age of 20 dropped out of the labor force uh, compared to men. And why was that? 
It was because schools were closed again in mm -hmm. September. Um, mm -hmm. And someone, particularly for elementary and middle school age children, someone had to be there um, to make sure they were logging on when the technology was working um, uh, to, to be in class and to help them through it because it was not an easy thing for these younger children. So women unfortunately suffered um, uh, uh, more than men. Uh, there were plenty of men who also suffered because of this, but it was women who, the, the mothers, um, more often than the fathers who chose to, 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 to leave their jobs, to stay home, to help their kids with this, just this God awful remote learning process. Yeah. So legislatively, um, or to take it back to Springfield anyway, there continues to be discussion and this this connects to the budget, which is forthcoming. That'll be the, you know, the big gift that Illinoisans receive here on honor about May 31st is, is, legislators go running out of the uh, state house like kids on the last day of school when school's actually in session. Um, but there are advocates who are fighting uh, to keep the Invest in Kids scholarship program uh, as it is. There's been no discussion about expanding it, you know, and the discussion has largely been about taking it down while not removing it, taking it down significantly could you, for the benefit of, of people that are maybe just walking into this issue for the first time, explain what this is? It's one of the few, if only, mechanisms that exists in the, in the state of Illinois that would even remotely resemble uh, a school choice initiative. Right. In, uh, in 2017, as part of the grand bargain budget negotiations after the year and a half to two year stalemate um, for a budget. Um, then Governor Bruce Rauner scored one big win among many losses by um, by getting the Invest in Kids tax credit uh, program uh, underway. And what that is, is um, individuals or businesses, whoever supports school ch uh, choice programs uh, can donate money for scholarships for lower income kids who may be in a, a public school area where their public school is not a good fit for that student. Maybe it's failing and maybe it's failing to, to teach kids what they need to learn um, to be successful adults. Um, but uh, those you, you uh, donate money for these scholarships so these lower income families uh, can apply to send their kids to a private school or another school um, that is not their local public school tens of, and since 2017, tens of thousands of lower income families, many of them minorities, have taken advantage of that program. Uh, put their students in, uh, in private schools uh, or charter schools um, and uh, have seen better outcomes because of it. Because of it. Governor J.B. Pritzker has wanted to kill that program during the campaign. He wanted to kill that program. Well, the program, because of a lot of pushback, particularly from from Governor Pritzker's and other Democrats' constituencies, um, lower income families and minority families who have benefited from this program have pushed hard back against it. And thankfully, it looks like they've at least saved it for the time being. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the governor now wants to. Oh. It, uh, another part of this is in exchange for donating to these school choice scholarships, um, the, the donors were receiving a tax credit, um, a 70% tax credit. 
um, uh, you uh, you donate a thousand dollars, for example, to a scholarship. Yeah, you can claim seven hundred dollars of that thousand um, dollars on your income taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Governor Pritzker now wants to scale that seventy percent tax credit down to forty percent price. Uh, a forty percent tax credit, and, and this program—I'm I'm, forget—but this program was capped to to begin with, right? There was only a limited amount of money that would was allowed to to flow into this scholarship, um, uh, and I, for the lack of a better term, uh, account. Right. And um, I I want to say that was two hundred million dollars um, annually. Um, I'm, I'm going to need to fact check that myself on that one, though. But it was capped um, in the first few years. Um, it, it got close, at least very close to uh, obtaining that. When Governor Pritzker started running, when uh, J.B. Pritzker started running for governor, he was talking about eliminating at that. So that disincentivized um, some people. And now he wants to reduce the tax credit. So that's going to further disincentivize potential um, donors and what that what does that mean? That means fewer families will have a choice. Fewer families will be able to take their t- students out of a out of a public school setting that is not ideal for their child that might be failing their child to put them yeah. in a better situation. Um, right, so- but but the excuse or or justification I, I would call it an excuse, but Governor Pritzker's justification is that it would somehow upset the general balance of his balanced budget. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really sure how to unpack that. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't get it. I mean, if the dollars don't come in, there's no credit against it. Right. Well, for the, the fiscal in, impact statement that was put on his proposal um, said it would cost. And, and of course, it, it, it depends. So nothing, uh, nothing you can we don't know for sure what the fiscal impact is. But based on past donations um, and guesses of what future, future donations would be, um, the fiscal impact would be about 14 million dollars a year, um, meaning Illinois would save about 14 million dollars a year by reducing the tax credit from 70 percent um, to 40 percent. Now, keep in mind, though, um, also uh, this year, the, the COGFA, the Commission on Government Forecasting Account- and Accountability, revised their estimated revenues up by two by more than two billion dollars. Right. So, Illinois is going to be taking in uh, more than two billion dollars than originally expected. Two more. billion with a B. Two, two billion more. Right. And uh, by cutting this tax credit from seventy percent to forty percent, um, it'll save you know fourteen million dollars a year. You know that's that's a drop in the bucket compared to the overall state budget, and it's going to hurt the people that Governor Pritzker and Democrats largely say they champion: mm-hmm. lower-income families, minority families, um, people who don't have um, the means to make choices for their children. Right. And, and I want want to make one more point about this. So Illinois is trying to take a step back on school choice during a year. Um, when many families uh, um, had issues with public schools closing um, and more and more families, this is not just in Illinois, this is across the country, more and more families decided to pull their kids from public schools to either homeschool them, to put them in private schools, to put them in charter schools. And as a result of that, states across the country are expanding their school choice right. programs. At the Center Square, you know, this is a, an Illinois-focused program, but at the Center Square, we cover states across 
the country. Um, we've been tracking, uh, let me get my notes here. We've been tracking more than 50 bills in 30 states where school choice options are being expanded, uh, yeah. uh, not being pulled back. Illinois is an outlier here, and it's wrong for doing it. Well, those states aren't playing politics the way that we're playing politics here. And I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the molly coddling, you know, of, uh, of, you know, the education unions in this state, that portion of governor Pritzker's voting block, uh, apparently is sacred cow. Um, because there makes, there's absolutely no reason to not consider expanding options for educating kids our kids are falling behind. I mean, you, you referenced the year of learning loss and that's, I mean, that is legit. In some cases, it's more than a year of learning loss because the kids still have not gone back in, what is it? 6% of schools or something like that in, in the yeah. state. I mean, that's abysmal. I mean, that's absolutely abysmal. So it's, it's as if, you know, the science and the data had no bearing whatsoever in some communities and very little bearing in 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 the vast majority of communities uh, across the state of Illinois. Um, do we want to be competitive as a state? Do we want the kids that we are raising here in Illinois to stay in Illinois and to be productive? Does that matter to us? Is that a priority? Take it a step further. Do we want the kids who are in um, not ideal situations, um, who are who? Um, uh, who are in, whether it's maybe it's a, a single uh, family home where the mother has to work 14 hours a day just to pay uh -huh. the bills and whatnot. Right. Or um, they're in a, in a very bad neighborhood um, where there's gang activity or whatever. Do we want to continue the, that vicious cycle um, where th these kids um, don't have a chance to succeed, don't have a ch chance to pull themselves up um, uh, out of the situation they're currently in um, to get a great education um, that's going to allow them to get a great job and make money and, and, and improve their lives and their families' lives. Is that really what Governor Pritzker wants? Uh, it's bananas. I mean, it's it's absolutely bananas. Um, you know, elsewhere around the country, you had, you know, you, you had said that, um, you know, that there's a tremendous number of bills that have been brought forward to expand it. Um, one thing in, you know, been consuming a fair amount of this, uh, via social media and, um, local newscasts, you know, you're not seeing this at the network level. Um, you're not seeing this, you know, in the, uh, primarily commentary driven cable news scene, but parents showing up. At, at their local school board meetings for, for what would amount to be probably the last monthly school board meeting, you know, of the year and completely losing it on the mandate for children to continue to wear masks this school year and the uncertainty or the lack of clarity around whether kids are going to have to wear masks in the fall. So we're making some progress here in the state of Illinois with regard to the mask mandates, um, you know, that are manifesting themselves in, you know, in places where people congregate, retail um, and, and other, you know, such shopping environments, restaurants and things like that. So Greg Bishop from the Center Square uh, had a piece this, this past week. In fact, you know, we're taping this on Thursday. Um, Greg published this story uh, or wrote the story. We published this story uh, last night 
Illinois business is no longer required to enforce face covering and won't be required to check vaccine statuses. So we are, it sounds as if Illinois is not going to, you know, capitulate to the idea of a vaccine passport. That's how I read that. Um, and then it sounds as if that, you know, the state is actually uh, giving the local business owner, the small business owner that operates that business, the decision-making power on whether masks are a yes or a no. But could you color that up for us so we're just clear on the issue? Yes. Finally, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Washington, D.C. revised its mask guidance um, to say that fully vaccinated people don't need to wear a mask in, in most indoor settings and most outdoor settings. Um, and so Governor Pritzker in the state of Illinois is sort of following that renewed guidance. Of course, mask wearing has been a polarizing issue um, since shortly after uh, the start of the pandemic um, early last year. Um, uh, many state, most states uh, mandated mask wears in public, whether it was indoors or outdoors. And many people thought that was a violation of their personal freedom. Um, right. And there's still, and, and you, you know, the CDC says um, masks can help uh, prevent the spread of COVID-19, but there's plenty of contradictory evidence to that. So anyway, because vaccines are widely available, because um, nearly half of the population um, in Illinois has, has been vaccinated, um, the governor finally relented on this. It, it was a mistake in the first place to make businesses enforce such a policy. I'm sure, you know, if you if you're online, if you're on Twitter, if you're on YouTube, um, over the past year, there have been countless viral videos surfacing of confrontations in businesses yeah. for no fault of the businesses um, themselves um, over this mask issue. And often between patrons. That have right. a different, yeah, it's not necessarily the business owner. They're just the forum for which this, you know, the, these interactions are are occurring. Right. Yes. And and so there, there's been a huge dispute and it's, you know, it's, it's hard to argue. It should be a personal freedom. If you want to wear a mask uh, because you don't feel safe, that's your personal choice. If you choose not to wear a mask, that should be your personal um, choice too. Now, at the same time, you know, businesses, um, business owners, the businesses that want want to uh, still want to enforce a mask mandate in their business, that's their right. Um, but now uh, in Illinois, they don't have to if they don't want to. Um, and what you know, what, what you, this has probably been the best week. This past week, uh, my daughter graduated on Saturday from high school. It was not the greatest senior year that she or her classmates could have had, just like it wasn't, I'm sure, for most seniors across the country. Um, but we had graduation this past Saturday. The school district, because this uh, this the new mask rule had not been effect in effect, the school district said masks are required. But you know what? We walked in, some people had masks, some people did not have masks. Mm -hmm. um, they interacted with each other cordially and pleasantly. Um, mm -hmm. I saw a bunch of old friends that I hadn't seen in the past year. Um, so we had a great week there. I had family in town for the graduation, um, both over the weekend and this week. We went out to restaurants. Some people had masks, some people di didn't have masks. There were no confrontations. Um, so I think we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And you know what, you know, not to, not to protract this, but I mean, Let's just pause and look back at this, just if we could. At the height of the of the pandemic, pre-vaccine, so la last year, 
you know, and you can even say it about this time where we saw numbers that were climbing. That coincided with people being locked down yeah. and people being pushed inside. And the, the vast majority of these spread events were not, you know, these wild parties that, you know, that were occurring in, in, in some places, although I'm sure that contributed to it. It was largely family member to family member cooped up in small places. There has been, to my understanding, and we've read an, you and I have read an exhausting amount of data and an exhausting amount of stories about the spread of of COVID-19, the transmission of COVID-19. And there is no significant data that suggests that walking past somebody on a sidewalk or even stopping to talk to somebody at a distance of, you know, a couple feet away have led, either one has led to any discernible transmission statistics. It just doesn't happen that way. Right. It's This is largely driven by, you know, proximity, long proximity, 15 minutes at close distance. So come on, you know, are we going to follow the science of the data or science and data as I prefer to call it without the definite article, or are we not? You know, it's almost June of 2021. We're still talking about this. There are vaccine. There's vaccines available, and have been for six months. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, we're talking about business and business owners having you know kind of what amounts to be the right to choose, and and certainly customers having the right to either follow those rules or to you know go somewhere else. Um, some businesses are just having a hard time getting people to come back to work to have the opportunity to present the choice of wearing a mask in the business or not because they can't open their doors. Right. I think we're up to, so um, there have been calls by business groups um, for Illinois to pull out of the supplemental federal unemployment benefits program yep. um, uh, in addition to state unemployment. Um, you, individuals who lose their jobs um, can file for unemployment. This is any time, not pre-pandemic, pandemic, whatever. And um, businesses pay an, uninsur- uh, an unemployment tax. And the state, when someone files for unemployment because they lost their job, will confirm that they lost their job. But then they get um, uh, weekly payments. Uh, during a transition period, it's not forever, during a transition period. Um, so the the individual lost their job, has some income coming in while they're looking for another job. Well, during the pandemic, the federal government started a program that uh, adds money uh, on top of those state unemployment benefits. For the past several months, it's been an additional $300 a week. Um, and now that states are reopening, uh, you know, Illinois, uh, we're in the bridge phase now. We've talked exhaustively about the bridge phase. I don't want to go into that again, uh, but we're going to be we're going to be in phase five, which is full reopening unless Prisker changes his mind again. You got to qualify everything when it comes to uh, uh, reopening in, in Illinois, but we're going to be in phase five, full reopening um, in June. Businesses are starting uh, uh, to reopen or capacity limits are uh, uh, uh are increasing. Um, the economy seems to be getting a little bit of a, a jump start. Um, businesses can't hire people because there's because because uh, folks who have been laid off uh, have these enhanced unemployment benefits and they're getting almost as much 
maybe some getting more, as much or more, staying at home, they are going to the workforce. There have been calls by business groups to pull out of this federal uh, supplemental program, this additional $300 a week. Uh, to date, we have, I think it's either 20 or 21 states have already pulled uh, out of it or have said they're going to pull out of it within the next few weeks. Um, that, that program goes till September, but Governor Pritzker should really consider pulling out of it earlier to jumpstart the economy, um, to yeah. get our small, small businesses um, back booming again, um, and to get people back to work. Right. This is a blue state, red state issue. I it mean, is. Is, is, that, is that an oversimplification? No, it's largely a blue state, uh, red state issue. It's uh, mostly red states um, that have ended uh, their relationship with this federal supplemental unemployment program. Well, what's in it for the blue states? What's in it for a state like Illinois to maintain this? Governor Pritzker said, and if it wasn't, you know, at the beginning of this week, it was at the end of the la uh, end of last week that he, you know, it was a quote, and I'm paraphrasing something along the lines like he didn't want to pull the rug out from underneath some people. Well, I mean. I saw a stat just this past week. There's something like 9 million open jobs in the United States right now. Nine mm -hmm. jobs, 9 million jobs that, that employers can't fill. So, I mean, how much of a rug, you know, are we supposed to be providing to people? And are we really pulling a rug out from someone if they're not choosing not to go back to work because the unemployment benefits a better deal for them? Right. Particularly now, um, uh, the COVID concern is, is significantly diminished. Um, one concern among uh, workers early on was, well, if I go to work, am I going to be exposed to COVID? Well, the vaccine has been widely available. There are tens of thousands of jobs available um, in Illinois. Um, the, that's Governor Pritzker's argument that is if I pull us out of this, our families, lower income families, uh, families in general, are they going to suffer? Are their kids going to suffer? But they won't suffer if they go apply for a job and get a job, right? Um, they'll have they wouldn't suffer if their kids went back to school full time. Exactly. Well, that too. I mean, so this stuff, the interconnectedness of this is what's really absolutely maddening because it gets talked about in partitions. Well, we got to solve this issue. Well, we got to solve this issue. These issues are different. Yeah, these issues are not really all that different. And there, there is absolutely, in my view, an interconnectedness between this unemployment number and what's going on in the schools. So if I have to deal you know, with the realities of being a parent, which I do gladly, dutifully, and lovingly, okay? And I, I think most parents view their role as mom or dad as like the best job in the world, the most important job in the world. And that comes first. If I can't go back to work, because my school is not open and operating and we haven't even gotten into summer camps yet. I have no idea what's going on with summer camps or summer programs, whether they're, you know, you pay for them or if they come through some sort of assistance program. We haven't even gotten to that yet. We can talk about that maybe next week. We can look into it and figure out what's going on, what the summer looks like across Illinois. But if I can't be at home for my kid because my kids at home because they're still not going to school full time, then I can't work. Right. The two, you're right. The two do go hand in hand. Um, and thankfully, as we talked about earlier, kids will be going back to school in the fall. Um, there are certainly um, summer camps, summer camp programs, which many were either reduced or uh, restricted last year um, are coming back. 
Um, hopefully summer camps wisen up and get rid of their mask. Any, any of them that still have mask policies in place, get rid of their mask policies. Kids do not need to wear masks outdoors um, right now. Um, uh, hopefully that... <clears throat> Hopefully that's trending in the right direction there, so people people who do have younger children at home can go back to work, but they have to be incentivized to go back to work too. And if they're getting, you know, as much money from unemployment, both from the state and the federal government, than they are, than they would be um, if they went back to work, then you know, why why wouldn't they decide not to work? Um, so that that's why it's time to pull out of the the, the federal government program. In fact, the Congress should really repeal uh, that program anyway. Fat chance, no. but but a nice thought. I mean, uh, that, that that wouldn't be happening, and you know, w with this, with the you know, with the uh, uh, the, the way that uh, the Congress is set up right now, that the House would the House would never ever go for that, and, the, and no. the Senate's obviously too close to call on. I would imagine, you know, we'd have an opportunity to see what Joe Manchin thinks if it ever reached that point, and. Who knows which way he would tip? I would, I would think probably he would, he would, mansion the the Democrat from uh, West Virginia senator, um, has been pretty much in lockstep uh, with the Democrats on big picture stuff. So right. I don't think it would happen. No, so I don't, I, I, yeah, it, it was definitely wishful, wishful thinking to manage that problem. And some states are managing it, and uh, some states like Illinois are just, you know sticking their heads in the ground like ostriches uh, waiting for whatever to happen next. Well, it, you know, it will be interesting to see, um, you know, whether it's three months from now, six months from now, see how states economies are performing, uh, but comparable comparing states that pulled out of the federal program compared to states uh, that did not and are sticking with it until the, uh, yeah. until the end. Um, just to see if there's a difference in how economies perform. I would just uh, say don't 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 waste a lot of brain power on that. The economies that have decided, you know, the states that have decided to turn their economies back on, that didn't turn their economies all the way off, or certainly didn't do it for as long, are performing. Yes. And the states that have, you know, like waited this thing out, for whatever reason they've cho they've chosen to do that, whether that is. You know, they would tell you that it's the public health. Mm, I would say it's more like power and control. Absolutely. They're the, they're the ones that are going to be behind. And for Illinois, which is already behind economically in the United States, and is already a difficult place to do business because of the levels of taxation that are, that are placed on business and persons in the state of Illinois, this was the wrong way to go. Absolutely. There was an opportunity here missed. Swing and a miss. Swing bada bada. Republicans, Dan, in the uh, legislature, apparently there are still a few of them, um, continuing to criticize the governor on a number of things. Legislative maps. We talked about the tax credits. And then the LaSalle outbreak, which I want to hold to the end because I want to talk about that a little bit. There's some things there. What's up with the legislative map issue? Well, this is um, one of the issues uh, that Governor Pritzker campaigned on. Um, Illinois has a history of gerrymandering legislative districts, congressional districts, um, uh, 
former Speaker of the House, Michael Madigan. Here, there's his name again, even though he's no longer in state government. We can't stop talking about him. For decades, um, Madigan perfected the process of, uh, of gerrymandering districts so Democrats had an advantage. Um, the last several um, uh, elections in which uh, the full state House uh, was up and you know, part of the Senate was up, um, more than half of the races were uncontested because uh, these legislative districts were drawn in ways that it wasn't competitive, that a Republican didn't have a chance. Um, anyway, Governor Pritzker um, campaigned when he was running for governor. He campaigned on this issue that he wanted a bipartisan or excuse me, a nonpartisan commission drawing the maps um, and not the um, not one party. It has been Democrats, but even not Republicans drawing the maps to their benefit. Um, but he's essentially he, he's let's face it, he's flip flopped on that issue now. Um, he has said he will um, accept a map um, uh, from Democrats who are currently writing the map process, even though because of the pandemic, even though all of the census data is not available yet and won't be available until uh, late summer, uh, he mm -hmm. has said he'll not, he'll uh, consider the Democrats' map and likely sign it. Um, as long as it's not too egregious. So Republicans this week have called him out on that. Um, again, uh, we should have a nonpartisan or a bipartisan commission drawing these maps. Instead, we have Democrats behind closed doors drawing these maps to this to their advantage. Um, so the next legislative election cycle, you'll you'll again see half or more than half of the race is uncontested. So voters won't have a choice, and it's it's too bad. Oh, it's worse than too bad. It's a perpetuation of everything that's 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 not you know that's not fair about the legislature. There, there's absolutely no no opportunity the way the maps are drawn for there to be fair representation in, in the state of Illinois. I mean, it's uh, if you got to pick your voters, if you control the, when you control the map, basically you pick your voters, and so you carve out enough districts, in particular up north, you know, in the in the northeast corner of the state. Collar counties in uh, over to the lake, up to the Wisconsin line from, you know, I-80, where the mass, you know, the vast majority of, of the population of the state is. You draw the maps in a way that will allow you to get the outcome that you want. Right. It's pretty, pretty simple. Um, one of the other pieces of criticism is this story that, you know, I think that Governor J.B. Pritzker would love to go away. He would love 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 the LaSalle veterans home story 36 veterans dead on his watch to go away um that story's not going away and a piece of data that came out this week or a piece of information i should say was the testimony of illinois department of public health director dr ngazi aziki saying that at the height of this outbreak at LaSalle Veterans Home, that she was not having conversations, she could not recall if she had conversations with the uh, veterans director, former state legislator, uh, Linda Chapalavia. Wouldn't you remember that? I, would I mean, that you did or that you didn't? I mean, if that is going on, wouldn't that be, you know, I mean, 
something that would stick in your mind, whether you did or did not have that conversation or any conversation. She said that they talked frequently and they got on the phone and they prayed together, which is great. Good, 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 good. Uh, Wouldn't something like this require a little bit of oversight and direction from the person charged with the overall health of the state? Something that's being managed by a bureaucrat whose only claim to fame or only reason for holding the position, I'm talking about Chapa Levia now, was that she was part of the group that crucified Bruce Rauner for the Legionnaires outbreak in Quincy that helped Governor Pritzker get elected. So she's basically like, I mean, obviously, that is what it looks like, right? That is what it looks like. She got that job not for qualification. And Governor Pritzker admitted as much that he made a mistake there. But let's get back to this testimony from Dr. Ezekiel. She essentially was solely focused on one issue last year, COVID-19 and the pandemic, right? Um, It was on her advice that Governor Pritzker put these um, massively restrictive rules in place that shut down businesses, that led to business failures everywhere, that led to school closures and this remote learning and the learning loss that we've already talked about. Dr. Ezekiel last year, was that was her one focus. And we had this outbreak um, at the LaSalle Veterans Home and, her, the, and the director of that uh, veterans home, uh, Chapel Levy, as you said, um, um, essentially failed. You would think during the pandemic, when that's your one job, Dr. Aziki now I'm talking about, um, you're having a conversation uh, with the director of a, uh, of a veterans home uh, where there's been this, this, this massive outbreak and 30, 36 people died, 36 veterans died that you would recall having a, con- a conversation or conversations, plural, um, uh, during this massive uh, crisis and tragedy. Um, but during testimony this week, she said, yeah, she could, I, I don't remember if I talked to her or not. How is that possible? It's not. And, and, and heads up to the, to the people that would like this information to be uh, kept under wraps. We FOIA'd for this information. In the state of Illinois, damn well better bring it forward. Because this is a failure that it goes beyond the overarching failure of the management of COVID in the state of Illinois. So, you know, you can redact it. You know, you can say you don't have it. You can do the stuff that you normally do that the Pritzker administration has been absolutely willing to do to keep information away from the public. But everybody knows. Everybody knows. This is a failure. That's on you. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Republicans have called for an attorney general's office investigation, an independent investigation. Pritzker internally um, has has sanctioned an investigation that found that there were failures um, within the Veterans Department, uh, but pretty much left the administration, uh, meaning Governor Pritzker and uh, Dr. Zike and others at the Health Department, you know, off the hook. 
Um, uh, but Republicans have called for this independent investigation, so the administration is not investigating itself. There should be an independent investigation, whether it's the attorney general's office or um, an inspector general's office or some other independent outlet, uh, because what happened at the LaSalle home is tragic and um, uh, uh, it should never, ever have happened. In the midst of all this, you know, if you wind it back to last year when we started really getting to understand what was going on with COVID and, you know, COVID, as you know, we recall, didn't just land in the United States all at once. It migrated its way across the country. It became an issue for us, you know, here in Illinois, pretty early in March of 2020. By April, when we started to watch, you know, the numbers rise amid the public policy decisions that were being made, via executive order, so independent of the legislature, you know, Governor Pritzker deciding X, Y, and Z, okay? I said, and if I said it once, I said it 10 times. When we look back at COVID-19 and we think about this in historical context, it will be chalked up as the largest public policy and state management failure in U.S. history, state by state. And I also said this, the biggest failure within that failure was our ability to understand that the most vulnerable needed the most attention and that this was going to kill older people if we didn't do something to protect older people. And it's, look, I don't have a degree in public policy. I don't have a degree in immunology. And, and for all the people that are out there, you know, that are that are listening to this and that are looking at the bigger picture of what's going on in this in this country, and they ask the question, well, why is it like this? 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 Didn't have to be this way. Veterans at the Quin at, at the at the Quincy home under Rauner did not have to die to the extent that they did. The people at the LaSalle home absolutely did not have to die because this was not an isolated event. This was COVID. This wasn't a Legionnaire's outbreak. This was COVID. We knew about COVID. Everybody knew about COVID. And the Department of Health, that's what they were focusing on was COVID. Yeah. All year. This was in the, yeah, all year. Ooh, COVID sneaked up on us this time. No, wrong. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And there should be accountability for that. Let's talk about it in straight terms. I don't recall. Give me a break. Hey, one last thing. Um, we don't often talk or or write. Well, we do write about the city of Chicago and things that come out of the city of Chicago. Um, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, within the past couple of days, has you know, in commemoration of her second anniversary in her first and likely only um, uh, tour of duty as uh, mayor of Chicago. Um, said that she's going to take a stand against the inherent, uh, I'll stop short of saying racism, but 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 lack of diversity within uh, Illinois newsrooms and um, not going to be granting interviews one-on-ones with uh, people unless they uh, would be representative of a minority group. You ever heard of such a thing? Never, never. I've been in media for uh, God. I, I'm a, I hate to admit it, but almost thirty years now, and I've never heard anything I like think it. It's longer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was shocked when I heard it. Um, 
so, uh, so essentially, if you're a white man or woman, um, she is not going to give you an opportunity to interview her on a one-on-one -on -one, um, setting. Um, um, and I've seen there's been backlash among uh, minority journalists on social media about this too. Some. Yeah, some. Some. Um, well, um, I, I forget the amount, I would say. I, I, I've seen quite a bit. Now, it's not everybody, so I don't want to paint the right. picture that all, all um, black and brown journalists um, are, are being critical of it, but I, I did see where um, one Latino um, a journalist uh, reached out, um, got an interview scheduled, but then said, listen, mm -hmm. I want to go through with this interview, but I'm going to only go through with it if you rescind um, this this policy, right. which isn't right. It's an important from the Tribune. Yeah, and the um, uh, and the mayor's office uh, refused, and so the interview didn't go forward. So I, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I think it's it's fine. It's admirable if she's concerned about the number of black and brown journalists covering the city of Chicago. Of course, there's a large minority presence, uh, or minority population in Chicago. So it's fine to call attention to it, but to be so exclusive as to deny um, journalists uh, an opportunity to, to to interview her, that just doesn't make sense to me. It's an abdication of responsibility and politicizing the office at a time where, you know, She's not exactly getting it done. I mean, this administration, I think for, for a lot of people that, that, you know, that, that care about Chicago. And if you live down, you know, if you live mid-state, downstate in Illinois and you're like, well, you know, it's Chicago, Chicago. It's been a wreck for years. Yeah, it's the, it's the big sucking sound. I mean, it's where the money in the state goes. I mean, it's where the tax dollars ultimately wind up. Um, you look at this administration and what's going on from a from a violence standpoint so the police thing i saw the the police union came out with a, a significant non-confidence vote for the uh the the superintendent of police and and uh and for mayor lightfoot um the stats on carjackings are just so i mean the, the carjackings have become so prevalent and and in you know and the and the the body count the homicide number is just is just it's just high. Well, that's just Chicago. No, this doesn't happen in every other city. Not big cities. Not all of them. Not like this. S downtown still looks like a war zone. S stores boarded up. Business is gone. You know. Yeah, so uh, last weekend there was a shooting. You know, on the north side. Yeah. I mean, in a parking garage on the north side. Like in, in in or the or the north excuse me North Loop, you know yeah, it, on a Saturday morning. When 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 Lightfoot first ran for office, and you know even in her in her early days, I'll admit I liked her. I was defended defensive of her, even though I disagree with many most of her policies. She walked her own beat. Yep. She was not part of the good old boy uh, Mayor Daly, Mayor Mayor. Not Ron part of the shows. Not part of the machine. She talked a good game, even when she pushed policies that I disagreed with. Um, it was not to necessarily help the old, good old boy, politically connected parties. It was because she thought it was right. But yeah, you know, you got to look at outcomes. You get, you have to look at how things are going in Chicago. And 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 honestly, they're not. It's not for all the reasons you mentioned. And then for her to make this decision, excluding a journalist, just to make a point. 
It's disappointing. I'm disappointed. Jobs change people. People yeah. change in their jobs. Yeah. And she, I, I don't believe, and I, I would think that this would be a, a, a pretty commonly held opinion of people who either live in the city of Chicago or care about the city of Chicago. She's been, she's been awful. She, I mean, ultimately she's been awful and, and, and her tonality, you know, I mean, through COVID combative, very combative, combative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just, uh, really not getting it done. Tough job. I mean, that's the reality. You, you want to be mayor of the city of Chicago. You don't start at zero. You inherit a lot of problems. Yep, no you're, you're you're starting in the you're starting in the well there, but I don't see that needle moving in the correct direction. I don't see there being a whole lot of hope and optimism around the city of Chicago. I mean, why would you go there if if you didn't have to? Yeah, why would you live there? Why would you live there? Right. It's an architecturally beautiful city. Kind of stops there for me. And I'll stop there for us. Dan, a, a pleasure. Always great to pick your brain about the things going on in the state of Illinois. Enjoyed it as usual. I got to give my voice a break here. I felt like I've been ranting and raving for 45 minutes or so. Get yourself a sucrets. There you go. For Dan McHale, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus Crosstalk segment. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square will be working on next week. Next week, legislators are in the home stretch in the final week of spring session. They've got the budget to deal with, including deciding how to spend billions of federal tax dollars. It's expected hundreds of other bills could pass out of each chamber and onto the governor. Then there's the draft legislative maps that could come anytime. The team with the Center Square will be on the ground to bring you the very latest. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.